The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, to the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for a big, scary show. This is Jim from Pethurst Asylum in Spring City, Pennsylvania, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Ed Gannon from Haunt Dogs, Something Wicked Productions, and Chambers of Terror in Salem, Mass., and this is The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Jeremy of the Bloodshed Brothers and the Terror in Train Town in Temecula, California, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. (laughs) And you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. (laughs) Hi, this is Barry Bostwick from the Rocky Horror Picture Show and many, 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 many other things. And you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Bill Mosley, Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw 2 and Otis from The Devil's Rejects. And you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Gleeve Hall, Monster Man. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. Jay! Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. November 21st episode 224 of the Big Scary Show and we continue living the dream in COVID town with the rest of the haunted attraction community as many haunts took the chance enforced the safety protocols and opened for the 2020 haunt season the round table of terror returns as the co-hosts sit down to, to discuss 2020's onslaught of weird bizarre and downright rude customer issues with Ed Gannon from Chambers of Terror, Jim from Penhurst Asylum, and Jeremy from the Bloodshed Brothers. Badger reads the deadline news. Storm rants about batshit crazy people who say haunters are crazy for haunting in a haunt minute. Meat Hook Jim returns with Between the Corpses and continues talking about funeral customs in France. No gruesome giveaway winner this month, and we finally, finally, get a break from Weister and the Haunted Vista. And I'll be spinning Spooky Tunes post-mortem for the 2020 haunt season. All this and more on the November 21st episode number 224 of The Big Scary Show. 
Happy Thanksgiving. Screeching through the skies, half man, half beast, all monster, the Twilight People. From the fortress of fear they fled, a herd of howling horrors thundering through the jungle. The Twilight People, from the cave of cruelty they came. Test tube terrors evolved from evil. Winged wonder, hideous horned horror, fiendish fanged phenomenon, a savage stampede hell-bent on blood. Out of the shadows, onto your throat, Twilight People, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. A Big Scary Show exclusive. Grave Robber, Nightbreed, from the Big Scary Show. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for Deadline News here on The Big Scary Show with your host, me, Drew Badger, bringing you all the latest in the haunted house, Halloween, and horror industries. Hello, everyone. This is Drew Badger, and this is Deadline News for episode 224. And we've got a lot of holiday haunt news coming up, so let's get right to it. We're going to start off with this from Scream Hollow Haunted Attraction in Bastrop, Texas. Introducing Mischief and Mayhem, the Haunted Wizard School creates a dark twist on your favorite wizard's experience. Step inside the school for four hauntingly magical experiences that will have you wishing you learned more to defend yourself against the dark arts. The ghost professors seem to be cursed, beware, and be sure to use your magic to get through the night. The schools also boast a buttered beer tavern known for its delightful alcohol concoctions, pints of suds, and its famous namesake drink. Explore the grounds, shop at the dark village, buy a wand, meet the ghost of the school, and be sure not to miss live music from wizard rock bands. Tickets are good all night and include access to all four haunted attractions, the Black Magic Grounds, and Buttered Beer Tavern. It's not recommended for anyone under 13 years of age or over age 65. Happening November 27th through the 28th, more information and tickets can be found at ScreamHollow.com. We have this news from the Factory of the Dead Haunted Attraction in Saginaw, Michigan. Join us for a haunted evil Xmas at Factory of the Dead. The haunted house will turn in its pumpkins for Xmas gifts and ghouls for evil elves and scary snowmen. Your favorite holiday takes a terrifying turn in this Christmas-themed interactive event. Happening December 11th through the 12th and the 18th and 19th, be sure to get your tickets early. Get more information at factoryofthedead.com. We have this from the Scarehouse Haunted Attraction in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's scariest haunted house is filled with scary toys and evil elves to torment all you naughty boys and girls. This is not intended for small children. Limited tickets are available. They include a free photo with Krampus and a trip to the holiday-themed version of Pittsburgh's scariest haunted house. This is a scary show. If your child still believes in Santa, you may not want to bring them to a creepy Christmas. You must be seven years old or older to attend. Parental discretion is advised for children under age 13. Happening November 27th and 28th and December 4th and 5th, get more information at scarehouse.com. We have this news from Fright Kingdom in Nashua, New Hampshire. Krampus has come to town to spoil everyone's holiday cheer. Join us on Friday, December 4th, and Saturday, December 5th, or Sunday, December 6th, as Fright Kingdom is transformed into a horribly scary winter wonderland. You will encounter rabid reindeer, crazed carolers, cannibalistic elves, and other merry mayhem makers. There's a creepy Christmas costume contest, and food trucks are on site every night. Get more information at FrightKingdom.com. We have this news from Rotten Manor in Holly, Michigan. 
The countdown is on. Friday, November 27th is opening night for the Rotten Bloody Christmas. This year, both the Rotten Manor and the Rotten Forest will be open for new exciting Bloody Christmas haunts. We are excited to be able to offer to our haunters online reservations. If you're planning to participate in both attractions, please be sure to book them at least one hour apart. We've also implemented an electronic wait line for all walk-up customers with text message updates and a live link to track your position online, so be sure someone in your group has their cell phone. The text messages include links to reschedule or cancel reservations and a real-time wait list so you can monitor where you are in the virtual line. Unfortunately, we're still not able to take electronic payments, cash only, but we have an ATM on site. If you have any questions or concerns, please contact us at rottenmanorapps at gmail.com or visit rottenmanor.com for more dates and information. We have this news from the Factory of Fear in Moline, Illinois. The Factory of Fear is now hiring for off-season events. The next event is scheduled for the first two weekends in December for our Frightmare Before Christmas show, pending the ability to safely operate. Now's your chance to jump into a crew of dedicated haunters and be part of an award-winning show. You can shoot us a message on Facebook or apply online at qcfactoryoffear.com. And finally, we have this update from the Canadian Haunters Association via Chris Ainsworth. I want to personally thank everyone in the Thornhill Woods community that came out and donated to the annual Thornhill Woods Haunted House event this past Halloween. Even though we didn't hand out candy because of COVID, we still managed to raise $6,698 in donations for the Sick Kids Foundation. Special thanks to two of our community sponsors, Dave Elfassi and Walt Orthodontics, as well as all our other sponsors. Lastly, to my family, Boo Crew, and Scare Actors, thank you for all your help and support. The Thornhill Woods Haunted House wouldn't be what it is without all your blood, sweat, and tears. Keep up with their updates on their Facebook page. Congratulations. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Ohio Haunted House Owners actors and enthusiasts join the new ohio haunters association we are working with haunters across the state from home to pro to strengthen the ohio haunt community open to all owners actors makeup artists prop builders designers and halloween paranormal enthusiasts the ohio haunters association where haunting is the heart of it all look for us on facebook To you, from the darkest reaches of the earth, this is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. 
All right. You ever look around at like your social media and who you have on there, who you follow, who are your friends, that type of thing, and then look down the list and realize that there are a couple people on there that you just keep on there to entertain you because they are batshit crazy, like completely off the wall type of stuff, and like can't even realize it. You're like, this is so nuts. This is a train wreck. I can't turn away. I can't help but look. This is amazing. Well, you know what? As haunters, we're that person to other people. There, there's there's people in your group of friends, in your social networks, checking their Twitter, checking their Facebook, because you're the batshit crazy one. You're the one posting Halloween trees at Christmas, and it's that just little bit of weird sanity that people need, especially in these trying times, that you gotta have that batshit crazy social media friend who will just get you through and go, you know what, I haven't reached that point with anything in my life yet. But that person has. So, look at it this way, Haunters. You're there, you're you're being that therapy for other people. Other people are like, you know what, I enjoy my Christmas and stuff, but I'm not like that haunt person I know on there. You know, love the haunt person, they're great, but they are batshit crazy to them. And it's the same way with us. We'll see it. We'll see it with different things and, and just go, yep, this this person is batshit crazy. Oh, a CrossFit batshit crazy posts and stuff on it. But we keep watching it because it's entertaining. Meanwhile, people are doing the exact same thing with us. It's a wonderful circle and, you know, try not to think about it too much. But enjoy your batshit crazy friends because they're enjoying you as a batshit crazy friend. So until next time. Keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Roundtable of Terror for the Big Scary Show. And as we say goodbye to the Halloween season, we wanted to talk about a subject and thank Jerry Vane for bringing this topic up. Over the last few shows, you may have heard us talk to a lot of haunt owners and actors and all sorts of people. And it just seems that 
2020 was a rough year, not only because of the pandemic, but because of the customers. Were they more aggressive? Were they more violent? There were shootings this year. There were fights this year. It just seems that there were lots and lots of, shall we say, difficult customers that haunted attraction owners and managers and actors all had to deal with. And whether it was just because people wanted to get out and blow some steam off or people were just, you know, more jackasses than they have been in years past, who can say? But over the last few years, you cannot deny that there has been an increase in bad customers, difficult customers, the Karens, the Chads, whatever you want to call them who have been to more than one haunted attraction causing, let's just say, a rough time for the people who actually work there. So we thought we'd get some stories. We thought we'd find out some ways that um, some haunt owners and people deal with this stuff. You know, Jim and I and Storm have trained actors and how to handle this stuff. We hope that your haunt does the same. And hopefully... Maybe by 2021, people will have calmed down a little bit and it won't be as bad. But we wanted to bring on some haunt owners to talk about the difficulties that they have dealing with customers. So if you're a haunt owner, if you're a haunt actor, hopefully something will sound familiar. And let's see if we can find ways to prevent it and keep the haunt that much safer. want to bring on our guests here. First of all, I'd like to bring back somebody who's been on our show couple of times it's been a long time mr ed gannon who hello used to work down at dark hour in texas but over the last you know little bit he has now moved back up to the northeast where he was originally i believe he worked at fright kingdom in new is it nashua yeah nashua new hampshire nashua new hampshire this past year and he is currently in woburn i hope i spelled pronounced that right in massachusetts (laughs) at least i put the massachusetts accent on (laughs) <laughs> Ed, it is great to have you back on the show. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here. Thank you. All right. Now, about as far away from Massachusetts as you can get is Temecula, California, where we have Jeremy Ball, one of the Bloodshed Brothers. Who? Oh. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. You were with uh, Terror at Train Town last year, but you were not open this year because of the <laughs> pandemic, obviously. But I'm sure you... And your brother, Zach, have some many, many difficult tales to tell regarding customers. Uh, mm. We do have a third guest who will be joining us soon, so we'll hold off on that. But also want to introduce our hosts. Up in the Northeast in Rhode Island, we have Storm. Fresh from my Chupacabra migration charting in the mountains. Nice. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Meat Hook Jim. Being that I was an owner, a manager, and an actor, yes, some customers can be a real pain in the ass. Yes, they can. And if you have small kids, you might not uh, want them to listen to this one because I have a feeling this one might not be PG-13. Last but certainly not least, up in Columbus, Ohio, we have our very own instrumentalist who has done a little bit of acting in his time, Jerry Vane. And I thought fans of of bands were asses. Oi. (laughs) My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and ladies and gentlemen, let's talk bad actors, not bad actors, bad customers. We've all dealt with them. We've all seen them. Maybe you're one of them. Why? 
But uh, let's uh, let's start with Ed. Ed, I know over the years you've dealt with some stuff, but did uh, did Fright Kingdom have that Karen or that Chad that came through this year and just made your lives miserable? Uh, we had a few. We had a few. But, you know, luckily, um, it's been my experience that um, and this was in a movie, too, that, you know, most uh, most troublemakers aren't as much trouble for the people who are ready for them. So early on, we knew it was going to be an issue. Um, it just seems that lately, you know, past couple of years, uh, but then especially with COVID, there's just this sense of entitlement with a lot of guests. And it doesn't matter whether you're in entertainment or you're at the supermarket. Some people just feel they have the right to do whatever they want to do. And, you know, and, and that obviously creates an issue when we're trying to keep everybody safe and, you know, perceived safety and actual safety and all those different things. So uh, Fright Kingdom, yeah, we, we had a lot of things in place before the first guest even came on site to, to help deal with that. So we had X's from the parking lot all the way through the exit six feet apart. So people knew where to stand and um, there were signs up everywhere and they were told repeatedly, you know, had to have your mask on, for example, uh, over your nose and your mouth uh, for the entire time. And there were still people that, that didn't do that kind of thing. And, you know, you would think that after the first or second time, you know, someone would be like, okay, I get it. I've been to the supermarket. I know how this works. And yet they just kept the same people kept doing the same um, things throughout the entire experience. And you would think that that would get old for them. And um, it, it's obviously the world we're in right now. And that's just how we have to do it. But like I said, it was just seemed um, in almost all cases, there was this overwhelming sense of entitlement where the rules did not apply to them. And uh, for whatever reason they want to flaunt, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, something about, you know, the, the political climate and and the COVID and the stress of everything, having to follow all these rules we never had to follow before. And, you know, whatever your beliefs may be, you know, this is a deal that we have to, by law, you know, have to deal with. And that's how we were able to open. That's the only way we were able to open was to have all these safety measures in place. We disinfected the place. Um periodically during the night before and after the show we we had people socially distanced everyone had to wear a mask including the actors there was a uh, plastic up between the actors and everything um between the guests and a lot of the scare zones which you know made scaring a challenge but it worked out real well and you know we're real happy with the show and everything but like you mentioned some of the guests just still felt like they could just walk into an actor's area or like move plastic aside and try to touch things, you know, and like I was telling guests, you know, you don't touch anything, even if it wasn't COVID, you know what I mean? That's just not a thing that you do. And, uh, you know, you're not being touched. We won't touch you. And, and that was the other thing that, you know, the, some of the nicer people were a little more concerned about, you know, are, is anyone going to touch us? And it's like, no, of course not. You know, that costs extra. So, you know, we don't do that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Jeremy, I know you were not open this year, but last year and in years past, have you seen an uptick in, shall we say, difficult customers? And how are you handling that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's because it's more accessible via like the internet, but it is. There are more people that are just going out of their way to express their displeasure, even if, you know, it's unfounded. Um, more so in our years at the stadium, cause that was five consecutive years. And we, we watched the event grow from, you know, this little two maze thing to this big five operation, like scream park sort of vibe. Um, 
those people were nuts because we, we served, I mean, like you guys were kind of saying earlier, like we had people get, kids get dropped off, but we also served alcohol. So we had parents just getting drunk and letting their kids run around. So it, it's definitely since the time we started doing pro hunts, like nine years ago till now, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten a thousand times worse. Um, thankfully last year though, um, it was, since it was a brand new event, we kind of, uh, didn't have a, a huge amount of people. So everyone was, was, was pretty cool. There was some stuff that was, um, out of our control that the venue put on us, like opening when the sun was still open and there'd be nothing to do that guests would complain about, but, but no one, no one crazy, thankfully last year. That's good to know. Uh, Jim, I want to ask you as the owner, former owner of mall, the actor troupe that worked at various haunts throughout the Midwest, what were some of the issues that you had with customers dealing with, with the actors, you know, I'm a member of mall associate member. Uh, Jerry was a member. I know. So Jerry, you know, feel free to chime in with some of the things that you had to deal with, but you know, the only, the couple times I worked for you, I luckily did not have these issues. Well, one, because I'm so far away, but you know, what were some of the things that you had working in Indiana and Ohio and Kentucky and places? Well, I got to tell you Fridays in Indiana, it was, it was teenager hell. Because the parents would take, you know, and especially where uh, the venue that uh, we were working, it was a larger venue with multiple attractions. And, you know, they would dump their kids off at, at the beginning of the night. And they just became, you know, I don't know what drove me crazy more. Um, the, the little teeny bopper girls coming up going, oh, you're cute. What's your number? Or the little punk boys trying to show off and be badass around the actors. Um, you know, it just, it, in my opinion, you come to a haunted attraction, you're paying your money to get scared. Um, come on. It, it, if you're harassing the actors that, I mean, you might think it's fun, but you know, we're getting your money in the end. I had some little asshole following me around. I was wearing a straight jacket and he kept coming up and messing with the straps by my back. And the way I'm moving, I'm hunched over and scrunched down and everything. So we were kind of at the same height and I've got, you know, I've got the jacket on and it's, it's a quick release for the, for the arms for me to pull my hands out. This little, you know, POS was bugging me for probably a good half hour, 45 minutes, kept messing with my straps him and his buddies. And a bunch of little, you know, 15-year-old punks. Finally, I had enough of it. And I turned around, dropped my hands out of the straps, slid my, slid the, the sleeves up so my arms were completely exposed and stood up. And I'm looking down at the little punk, and I literally got to his face and said, touch me one more effing time. I will have your ass thrown out, and you can cry to your mommy why you ha she has to come back and get your punk ass. <laughs> and this I, this kid i mean literally all four of them just looked up at me with their mouth open and i'm i mean i got tattoos but i'm you know i'm five foot ten I stood i'm just looking down at him and I, when, when i said it i said it very quietly but growled it because my throat was kind of roughed up they took off and um uh one of the guys uh came over to check to see what was going on 
wrong? He's like, what's, you know, he goes, yeah, we saw the mess with it. I think he took care of it because it looks like one of them might have peed himself. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that was, and that was what, not even an hour into the night. Right. And, and that was the same venue, right? Mm -hmm. Same night. Okay. Um, and, and to expound on that, I did an experiment, uh, because, uh, we were contracted there for six years. So one year, what I did was I took a GoPro and I was wearing my, my, uh, Dean costume for those of you, you that know who, what it is. He's a, a zombie commander type of, of character. And, um, I strapped a GoPro to my chest underneath my shirt and I just cut enough hole for the aperture. And it was on night vision mode. So I would stand stock still in one spot and see how many people would mess with me. And, you know, granted now, if they got close enough, I was going to get right back in their face. But I've got, you can check on the mall page sometime. I've got video footage of people trying to mess with me, trying to figure out whether or not I was real. And, you know, it's just the punk type stuff. It's not the curiosity. It's, some of them come up, try to hit me, things like that. The video is on the mall page. Sounds like fun. How about you, Storm? I know with Trails to Terror, you know, you had to deal with a lot of customers. What kind of stuff did you have to go through? Oh, well, we, we had just about everything. I've probably seen everything over the years uh, with the different haunts, you know, some of the bigger ones and then even the smaller ones with hay rides. And we would get those types of customers at Trails. And actually, you, you, you had to... Make sure that your haunt and your attraction is designed for it, is layered up correctly. You know, the bigger haunt you are, security is what deals with that type of thing. You're a little smaller, you got to have different layers. We didn't want our actors dealing with that. They knew what to do in emergency. They knew to get out of here. You know, if if somebody's causing a problem, show's over, work the buddy system, get the managers down there, get the owners down there. And uh, I would be like a quasi manager, repair guy, and also, you know, cue entertainer. And part of that could work too, because um, the design up there is to see the people coming in. And you could catch somebody who's inebriated and shouldn't be there at all. And security managers, owners can take care of them right away, nip that in the bud. You can also warn people and stuff. One of the best inventions ever are those little LED flashlights that you can palm. So I'd be entertaining the queue and uh, I'd be in costume, but I could get out of that costume in an instant. You know, it could pull, pull out. It'd just be a uh, very little makeup and, and, you know, more mass, more slip mass, that type of thing. So I could be in the field and deal with emergency. But, you know, if the owner says, Hey, I don't know about those people. If they're just having fun or they're going to be trouble, walk behind that hayride and watch them. And those little flashlights, because they'd be so bright with just like nine LED lights and you could palm them and they could control a situation so easily because you, you, as soon as that light goes into somebody's eyes, they don't know anything. They're, they're blinded. And, um, you know, some haunts don't want you coming out of character as an actor. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, working like a manager type of thing, if somebody was causing trouble in line, was pushing, grabbing, if somebody would grab me and, you know, you can tell after experience and stuff that, yeah, no, this is, this isn't just fun. This isn't playful. This is, you know, I don't want this guy doing it to one of my actors. And I'd tell them that I'd pull them aside. I would light them up. And all their friends see that they get lit up, pull him aside so he hears be out of actor voice and tell him, you do not touch any of my actors. If we have any more trouble, you'll probably be talking to owner and they might refer to you that 
to that guy up there. And the owners would point out the police who are there for traffic duty. But they would explain to him, if you're causing trouble, you're speaking to the police. And they'd never press charges or do anything like that unless it was, you know, something intense. But those little things would put people in line. And, you and you know, managers and stuff would work and do this, too. And you go, I want you to enjoy yourself. I want you to have a fun time with your friends. But you have to follow rules and behave. And sometimes just that little bit, even getting them pulled out, they want attention from their friends. Getting them pulled out like that, they'd get sheepish and sometimes they become best customers sometimes during a season some of these troublemakers and people would see are repeat customers and they'd act better the second or third time they come through and you know they're coming through with groups and stuff with it so you can actually work with it and, and go with it but it's a lot of this design it's a lot of having the right pieces in place for your haunt and, and just a lot of experience and knowing knowing what you to do and you can turn bad customers into you know good customers in the end and you know, with, go ahead sorry i was gonna say jason it, you know it's funny you say that i was in security business for for a number of years and you'll you find across the board that you know um uh, most people will will do things it's like you know you've seen this on hidden camera shows and all kinds of things they'll do things when they feel there are no consequences or they're not going to get caught so whenever you have like a dark area or a dark zone or a blackout haunted attraction, that's when you have a lot of the, the issues that kind of crop up because they feel that they can't uh, get caught. So in a, in a busy queue line with a bunch of people and you've got your people or they've, they're in an area where they only see themselves and your actor, you'll have an issue possibly from someone who wants to take advantage of that. But if they're, if they're um, aware that, not only is there consequences, but they're also under surveillance, whether it's video or other people or whatever. We, we tend to have less issues in general. And I wanted to ask you, because I know you've literally worked at haunts from one end of the country to the other. True. Are there differences with people who work, who would come in in say Texas versus someone who would come in in say New Hampshire and Jeremy, uh, I guess that's the same, you know, I, I know yeah. California is kind of laid back and, you know, mellow and all that, but I, I'm sure that uh, I'm wondering how different a, a breed of rough customer is there out on the West Coast, too. Well, I, I guess the big thing is, you know, you, anyone who, who wants to start trouble and thinks they can get away with it, then that's what they're going to kind of do. Um, you know, just like you have, you know, there are some people that are, that are born to be haunters and some are kind of in it for the wrong reason. You have guests that come and they don't realize that the perfect scare for us is someone who comes in, they get a startle, they get a scare, they tense up and then they relax and they smile. Okay. And then you've got that, that release of tension and that creates a great experience. Well, you've got some people who kind of go the other way with fight or flight or whatever. And, you know, anger and fear can't exist in the same brain. So like my buddy Alan says, so, um, you know, if you get somebody angry but if you then they're not going to really enjoy themselves and they're going to they're they can't enter they can't enjoy the haunt the way it's designed to be um enjoyed or experienced and like jason was saying you know if you can diffuse a situation and bring bring a um uh, overactive guest let's say into the fold then you know that's one way to go you know like when i was run spooky world you know we had the hayride there as well and i remember my, my first year there as a guest we're on the hayride and uh and we're going through and uh one of the guests on the end of the wagon 
kicks one of the uh those ghouls in the graveyard i was like oh my gosh and sure enough we came to the next scene and three guys in black jackets pull this guy off the wagon and no one said anything it was just like this silent little secret service kind of thing and we get to the end and his buddy's looking around and he's going going uh and the head of security is there and he goes are you looking for your friend he's like yeah well you can find him in the police car up at the front of the park you know so again you know, a couple of arrests thrown around are not a bad thing. You know, some people are worried about, you know, ejecting people or or having someone, um, you know, brought up on charges or whatever you want to call it. You know, if it's we had a zero tolerance policy for uh, for any kind of, um, you know, um, what do you call it? Assault on our actors or or any anything like that. And we had uh, Friday nights. We had WWE superstars. Uh, in as autograph, you know, for free autographs. And on those Friday nights, it, it could have been any night of the week. It could have been Sunday or Wednesday. And those nights, we just had these rowdy customers that thought that, you know, they wanted to be a WWE superstar themselves. And they would go. And if I could give hockey helmets to all my actors that night, that Friday, then that would not be a terrible thing. You know what I mean? Because that we had to actually do a different show. Not necessarily less effective, but certainly, you know, if they were out in anywhere, the, the guests could contact them. They were out and back in their spot right away, which is a good way to go anyway. And uh, and they were or they were back in another area where they couldn't get touched, you know, those kind of things. It was a different kind of show. And um you know, those are the kind of things that I've noticed that throughout the country is where you've got, you know, the people that want to become almost part of the show. And so they'll jump into an actor space or they feel like it's okay for them to go and do this because they're just messing with their friends or whatever. Or, you know, you ask them about it after and like, oh, well, I just didn't think, you know, and right there, that's the end of it. They weren't really thinking. And um, you've got issues where they're they're touching things you're not supposed to be and like like you guys mentioned before you've got the girls that want to come through whether they're drinking or young or whatever and get attention by touching the ghouls they don't even know if it's a guy or a girl half the time and then you've got the guys that want to go through and be tough you know and you go through if anybody scares me i'm gonna punch them well you know then you probably should put your hands in your pockets or go home because you just paid money for someone to scare you so you didn't pay money to punch people you know what i mean that's not a service we provide so, um, so you know, these are the kind of things you've got to, you got to keep in, uh, contact in Texas, you know, you, un unlike the Northeast, you can just walk in places with a gun. Now, obviously you couldn't do that in any of any of the attractions or businesses, um, where we were, but you know, it's something else you've got to kind of keep an eye on that, you know, half of your clientele could be armed. Now, again, we didn't have any issues like that whatsoever. We always had a, um, a police presence and and our security detail and plus all our actors were very well trained to deal with any kind of um you know security issues and more more so kind of picking out that person in the crowd that seems a little off and even for a haunt and they may end up being um someone you want to keep an eye on so we would literally keep an eye on them and half the time once they realize that someone was watching them that diffused any possible situation yeah, it makes you wonder how many of them had a gun back in their truck or their car. And be <laughs> well, like, many of them did. I'll see, I'll see you at the end of the night, bud. <laughs> well, we, we never let anybody walk out alone. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's something you kind of had to had to be aware of. Jeez. Now, Jeremy, say, how about would, you? Yeah, I would 
let's say like one of the one of the biggest things being in Southern California is like literally from where I'm being, it's 45 minutes to Disneyland. It's an hour to Knott's Berry Farm. It's two hours to Universal. And then it's two and a half, maybe three to Six Size Magic Mountain. So everything we do on a house-wise, that's the baseline. That's what we get compared to show-wise, scare-wise, but also like customer attitude wise so like when you go to not scary farm there's a certain amount of leeway you get with having you know you have the inf- the infrastructure of the park built for you know 60,000 people and there's a lot kids can get away with people can get away with in the dark at scary farm i have personally seen um at one of these haunted events i won't say which one people banging it out in the bathroom people doing cocaine and drugs and just the craziest stuff and like in the middle of haunt and that attitude translates to local and regional haunts too so we deal with the exact same problems but i will say that like a horny teenager is the same on the west coast as the east coast and a drunk dude is the same everywhere but people come to our haunt expecting that they're going to get away with stuff because they've gotten away with stuff in the past and kind of like you guys were saying you know, it's a zero tolerance policy. Like, um, you know, if, if someone's being rowdy, sure, they get a warning. But if, if I mean, we, we I caught at the stadium, I caught people um, mid-coitus in the dugout. And that was a completely off-limit part of the stadium. Like, how they even got down there, I don't really know. Um, same thing, kids doing drugs in the bathroom. I mean, weed has always been legal here, even though it's just been legalized. So it's like, you know, that that's kind of what we... I think that what kind of makes SoCal a little specific is is dealing with people who have this 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 mentality like they're untouchable because they've gotten away with so much stuff at other places. Wow, I'm uh, I never had to deal with that. That's for sure. <laughs> Anybody else had to deal with uh, shall we say mid coitus? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Between staff and guests. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, and sometimes same. staff and guests, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's called means I call it honk goggles. It's like it's it's like beer goggles, but it's it's like it's dark. You know, your the the paint the the face paint is on. It feels animalistic because you're being a haunt actor. I mean, I get it. You know, I was a teenager too, and I've loved haunted houses all my life. Like I totally get why people are into it. But you know, you know, we've we've had to kick out. We, we actually a story I have real quick. We had this, this kid, his name was Tyler. He came and he was like maybe 14, 15. He was volunteering. He was helping before it was open during setup. And he would bring his Nerf gun collection. He would be like, Hey guys, like, look at this Nerf gun. And it was like his, his nerdy little thing. And we're like, that's cool, man. Like, here's a roller, you know, have at it. And then our opening weekend, we get a call on the radio saying that there's two people making out in this one room with a and I was all jazzed because it was like opening weekend, my first year at a pro haunt. Me and Zach were like, let's let's do this. Let's kick some people out. Let's, you know, it's gonna be so fun. So I'm like, you go through the exit, I'll go through the entrance. We'll meet in the middle, we'll see what we can find. So Zach goes in, I go in, and we meet in this room, and there's this little kid, Tyler, just going to town on this girl. Just absolutely this this tussle hockey, like 100 percent And I pull them off each other and we're like, oh, you guys, we, you know, we gotta walk you to the office, we gotta talk to, you know the owners of the stadium, what they want to do. Um, just so you know, you're probably going to go home tonight and probably suspend the rest of the weekend. So we're walking up there and all of a sudden, like, I th- I swear Tyler's voice dropped and he's like, Hey man, and I'm like, what Nerf gun kid. I'm like, what? And he's like, I just want to thank you. If it wasn't for working here, I probably would never kissed a girl. And I'm like, Oh, you, you little guy. How can I be mad at you? <laughs> 
That's, that's he began pretty... haunting as a boy, but is now a man. <laughs> left a man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny. There's all kinds of stories like that, you know, between, you know, uh, actors like, you know, why didn't that, that scare go off? And you go behind there and you find out why. And, um, you know, things like that. But like, like you said, there is a, uh, a certain, uh, I guess it's kind of like, you know, and I hesitate to even say it out loud, but there's kind of like, uh, it's not really a, a club or a cult, but there's certainly a uh, culture of people who like to, you know, do things in public, not necessarily in the view of the public, but in a public place and haunts are one of those things. And, you know, we are, we have always been, a um, <clears throat> the kind of entertainment where it's an immediate gratification entertainment, you know, for the guests, you know, they see something right now and then they get the reaction right now for the actors. You know, if you're doing a movie, it may be months or years before you see how your performance is perceived. If you're on stage, you have to wait, you know, in between different things before you get the applause, but in a haunt, you do your, you do your thing and you get an immediate reaction right there right now. And so we attract immediate gratification people uh, to our haunt to act in it and to view it. And um, that has just become a thing that we've kind of cultivated, you know, over the decades. And so now it, it's such a, a, a piece of, of what we do that people don't even think about it. But, um, <clears throat> but so it, part of that immediate gratification kind of attitude uh, definitely spawns people who are like, let's go for it. And, you know, <clears throat> try and find little nooks and crannies behind a thing, or especially like a spook girl, for example, you know, was massive. We had, the hayride and you know six different attractions and the museum and everything and um <clears throat> we had uh different kinds of behind the scenes areas that even the actors didn't go in but you know people who had been there over the years kind of heard about it or knew about it or if they took a behind the scenes tour or something like that and then you'd, you'd find those people uh kind of trying to get in there or were just coming out of there in, in one case and i was like Hey, wait a minute. I know you, you were on the tour last week. He's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And they, they ran off, but you know, <clears throat> these are the kind of things that happen. So, uh, you know, we had a, a London set for like, um, like a Jack the Ripper's London kind of thing. And, uh, you know, big, tall, 12 foot, you know, uh, London street scenes. And we had two actresses being like, um, hookers and two different Jack the Rippers that were, you know, uh, trying to, to chase them and kill them, you know, like you do. And, um, we had uh, we had some uh, some guests come in and they were in like like prom dress kind of things and unbeknownst to us they hopped off the wagon these two girls and were trying to walk through the set I'm like did we hire two new people and they're like no I thought you guys did and I had to get off and crowd these ladies they were there for hours before anybody realized they weren't actual guests and uh, it turns out that they were they were both there and they had, you know, after we found out what was going on that they were, <clears throat> again, this is off the record, although I'm telling everyone right now um, that they were both there trying to uh, get a Jack the Ripper, if you know what I'm saying. So these things happen. I wonder if there's a haunt with a grotto. Hmm. <laughs> Depending who you ask, I guess. <laughs> I'm shocked that there's not an industry name for this, like the mile high club or something. <laughs> But I also now know why at Spooky World, you know, we had ID badges. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a huge thing. Yeah, you had to have that badge, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's just crazy. But um, <clears throat> what would you say is the biggest problem 
of the customers, not just this year, but in general? Is it that sense of entitlement? Is it the people messing with the actors? Is it people trying to steal a prop out of a, out of a scene? What would you guys say is the biggest issue? For us, I would say it's the more of the entitlement thing. I mean, we're, I mean, we're always dealing with people getting punched or vandalism or whatever, but it's, it's for us, the, the, the people that are upset that they got scared or their kids got scared. That's, that's the, the biggest one we always had at the stadium and we didn't offer refunds and they could yell at me or Zach or the stadium staff all they wanted. But, you know, like we had one that we did an exorcism maze one year and we knew it was going to be, you know, a thing because Temecula is a very conservative little town. Um, we did a little exorcism maze and we even put in the, at the ticket booth in front of the maze, like this is probably like PG 15 and, and up, you know, we do have four other mazes, please go enjoy those. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was very loosely exorcism too. It wasn't like, you know, like super satanic in anything, in any way other than, you know, some painted upside down crosses and stuff. But, um, I had one lady come up to me and she was just, she just let, let me have it, try to rip me a new one, said she was going to post about it on the internet and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. You know, and I basically explained exactly what the sign says. I'm like, you were warned. Well, she ended up, there's this group out here called Temecula Talk and it's just a god awful place to be but it's where everyone just goes and complains about everything in the town well they made a post about me and Zach and it got like 6,000 comments half of them hey it's a haunted house lighting up half of them was like oh my god they're devil worshippers Zach and I got death threats Zach and I got emails handwritten letters to the stadium asking us to stop you know, asking us if we wanted to come join people's churches, asking us if, you know, we wanted the maze blessed and all this crazy stuff. And then Zach got on this um, on this post of the 6000 comments and said, anyone that shows this this um, this comment, you know, the box office gets two two dollars off your ticket. And um, how we deal with that. That's we turned brilliant. it into a, a marketing ploy. <laughs> <laughs> a really great way to do that. You know, and, and I, I would agree. I think it all stems from this. Uh, you know, so many things can be grouped into this sense of entitlement that uh, a lot of guests seem to have. And again, it just, it just basically to boil it down is they just have in general, the, the people that have an issue um, or, or causing issues seem to have this, this attitude that the rules don't apply to them and that, they don't believe in the rules or whatever. And, and this, you know, you know, but they're not at home in their living room and they have to understand they've, they've paid for a service. I mean, they can't, they can't go to the movie theater and light up a cigar and, uh, and, you know, put their feet up on someone's neck and start, you know, eating Chinese food that they brought in. I mean, there are certain things that you have to, um, that you have to go along with if you want to enjoy this kind of entertainment. And um, there are, I guess, you know, laws of um of behavior if you will and um most of the problems like you said you know the, the biggest issue i'm seeing is just people uh, it all stems from that you know i don't need to uh, let me backtrack sorry about that <clears throat> i guess the biggest deal is most of our guests after doing this for so long we can take a look at a guest size them up in a couple of seconds and pretty much have a good idea of how they're going to behave in the attraction how they're probably going to react to a scare what they will and won't do now again people being people they will always surprise you but in general in big numbers people are usually pretty easy to predict this year however 
people were not behaving in a way that we are all used to. They, we have been trained uh, by dealing with people in, in this industry for so long. We've been trained how they react and what they do and what is a, uh, an acceptable behavior and, and reaction or a normal reaction, whether it's acceptable or not, uh, that these people will, will uh, exhibit. And this year, it just seemed to be off the chart. And uh, I understand everyone's frustrated and in my opinion and i know my my buddy alan has the same one where we provide a public service whether you want to understand that or we provide a public service you can't scream about your taxes you can't go in the supermarket and scream about prices although some people do and you know you can't just go around and get all these things out but you can go to an attraction you can have big reactions you can scream you can you can react you can fume and then when you get out it's like Oh, you know, you let your shoulders drop and you, you feel like you've, you've been through an ordeal, but you feel good. You know, you got, you got all this out, you know, and, and so we provide a public service this year. There's maybe it's just so much that we just can't get it all out. I mean, I don't know, but you, you have a lot of people that, um, that are so angry about things and it's like, they want to, they want to have a sense of normalcy. So they'll come to something that they've enjoyed in the past or something that, you know, other people enjoy. And yet, their their kind of their attitude gets in the way of them enjoying it. So you've got this kind of flip flop. You can see them going back and forth <laughs> whether they're they're having a good time and then they're mad about something and then they're having a good time and it's just kind of hard to predict where people are going to go from there. So all we can do is be prepared for it and uh, and try and be as personable as possible. But without that um, firm hand and and letting people know that they've got to toe the line or go. Um, it's, it's chaos. I do want to remind you that you are listening to the round table of terror here on the big scary show. We are talking about difficult customers with our guests, Ed Gannon and Jeremy ball and our usual co-hosts. We're going to take a short break for just a moment and we'll be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror, talking about difficult customers, the Karens, the Chads, the swarms of preteening kids who mercilessly roam the parks like feral gangs of wolves. Who knows? We will get into that a little bit more with our guest, Ed Gannon, who worked at Fright Kingdom this past year. Jeremy Ball, who worked at, well, he didn't. He wasn't open this year, but worked with Terror at Traintown last year out of Temecula, California. And I want to bring in a third special guest who was running a little late today. So we brought him in during the break. Jim Werner, who works with Penhurst Asylum in Spring City, Pennsylvania. Penhurst is on my bucket list to go visit one of these days. Jim, are you with us? I am. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Tell us a little bit about Penhurst and uh, some of the difficult customers that you may have had. You were open this year, correct? Yes, we were. We did run. Uh, it was a shortened season with a whole lot of different procedures, but uh, we ran We ran all the month of October to, uh, to pretty good success overall. Um, it was a fast season. 
we do, we have been talking about some of the uh, more difficult customers of the 2020 season. Were there anything in particular that stood out for you as far as were there more violent people? Were there more entitled people? Were there more drunk people? Because, you know, hey, pandemic, everybody just wants to go out and let loose. What, what was happening at Benhurst this year? This year was just, I mean, it's 2020, so everything's kind of upside down. But uh, one of the one of the things we noticed right off the bat in opening in October, traditionally we open up in September. Um, in opening up in October, it was kind of like uh, no warm up, no no stretching out. We just kind of opened, and then immediately the the problem customers who normally skip over the early nights and come that first, second, third week of October were all there right in front of us. Um, so that was kind of it hit the staff real hard the first weekend because. We were getting a, a demographic of customers that normally we get two or three weeks of warm up to prepare for. So that was definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic that first weekend when we opened. Um, saw a lot of very angry people. Um, it, it was mind blowing. Not, not so much violence. We've had much more violent years in the past um, where it just seemed like everybody wanted to throw fists. But this year, it just everybody was, I can't say everybody. It's just the, you know, the squeaky wheels get the grease and the ones that were unhappy were very vocal about it this year um, from getting a hold of us on social media, leaving reviews, getting a hold of my event staff and, and really giving them the riot act about every little thing. It was, uh, you know, we had somebody who shrunk one of their shirts in the wash and then wrote a review on probably every single media outlet you could imagine about that we're selling shoddy products. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. 3000 shirts were sold. You're shrunk. I don't get it. You know, who so, washes a haunt shirt. Who? Right. I have no clue. <laughs> I thought they were disposable. <laughs> you know, where, where, where yeah, but it, it really was a, a level of you. You didn't meet my expectations when we were very, very honest and open. You know, we're traditionally a full contact haunt. Our, our actors are trained to be physical and engage and, and have a level of immersion that a lot of other haunts kind of shy away from. And we didn't do that this year. And people were like really upset about it. <laughs> like they let us know they were very, and I'm like, we can't, like, we're not allowed to do it this way. And they just didn't seem to understand that the world was different. And they had no understanding for me or my crew because of that. Is Penhurst a full contact or is a non-touching haunt? No, we are traditionally a full contact haunt. Um, we, we normally train uh, starting end of July through August into September, our staff to teach them the appropriate ways to interact with the customers. The customers are aware. We put it on our website. We put it on our signage. It's the last thing you hear before you walk through our front door through our greeter um, is that the, these people are going to touch you. You're going to be interacted with. Um, and I think a lot of our customers expected that. And when we removed that component, we actually sped up our attraction because of that. So people were like, oh, it was really fast this year. And I'm like, sorry, I, we're not touching you. We're not putting you in a closet for three minutes and separating you from your group like normal. Like we're not doing the weird stuff we normally do. And people, they, boy, they notice. So 20, 2020 really handcuffed a lot of it. And most of our problems, amazingly enough, didn't have anything to do with things like social distance or masks. What it really had to do with was things like the um, things like uh, they weren't happy with our product that we were presenting to them, even though we were doing everything that we could to, to make an entertaining product. You know, our actors were doing new things. We incorporated, 
we still did a build this year. Like we had a build out this year. We spent a good deal of money just incorporating lights and sound and air cannons and props and all kinds of different medium to kind of elevate the experience a little more because we couldn't rely on the actors being as aggressive. And a lot, I'd say probably 80% of our customers were really happy about it. But that 20% that was like, oh, we don't like it. This is the first year where I've been like, wow, everybody hates us because they were so vocal about it. it. It really was harsh. It's ironic that they were angry at you because you were basically acting like every other haunt and not touching. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, we had people demand their money back because we weren't touching. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was something else this year. That's that's wow. <laughs> I, I I have no words. So let's change topics a little bit. Um, something I wanted to bring up, especially when you had come on, because you had commented on this earlier today. Ironically enough, today over in um, one of the Facebook groups, we had a conversation that started getting a lot of responses. There was a woman who owned a haunt in Georgia, no names, but uh, she started talking about the issues that they were having with parents who basically would come and drop their kids off for, you know, hours at a haunted attraction. And the little kids would just kind of like run wild and deal with your uh, deal with your actors and deal with your staff and, and causing all kinds of mayhem. Um, when I worked at the uh, theme park that's located near me and we were bought out by a larger company in 2005, 2006, they, they made the policy that if you had a season pass, you could have unlimited visits to our theme parks Halloween event. And the very next year, they sold 500,000 season passes. Now, there's no way that 500,000 people are going to come into those doors, but we knew as soon as that happened that we were just going to start getting throngs of kids just being pushed out the door as the parents drove past the haunt. And we basically transformed within a season from you know an amusement park to almost a babysitting service. And there was a lot of comments about that. And I'm curious to know what our three guests have, if they have to experience that problem. Jim, if you had that issue, and Jeremy and Ed, with parents just like dropping off throngs of kids and, and disappearing into the night. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. <laughs> the, uh, when I used to run Spooky World and at Fright Kingdom this year as well, uh, even down in Dark Hour in Texas, uh, you know, it was like the, you know, name your haunt babysitting service and you would have, you know, birthday parties or whatever without an adult chaperone being dropped off and they'd go and, and quote unquote enjoy the haunt and then, um, and then they'd be waiting outside on the curb to be picked up. And some of these, some of these people are, are younger, younger kids, you know, and some are like, you know, girls alone sitting on the curb waiting for their parents instead of an Uber or Lyft or something. And uh, so, so that's, that's its own issue. But, um, but the, the post that you're mentioning about the, the groups of kids, you know, it was kind of, they kind of get like this, you know, mentality. It's kind of like a Lord of the flies thing going on. And, and uh, you know, there's, then you have your, your, your um you know you have your leaders your instigators and your different you know groups that people have in a group but um you know the, the bigger the group obviously the the harder it is to handle and um you know like i mentioned earlier you know we had a uh, in most of the places we have a zero tolerance policy and you know some owners are really um kind of uh what's the word They're, they don't want to they don't want to 
we don't do any refunds, you know, but they certainly don't want bad reviews. And so, uh, so you've got this balancing act, you know, but quite frankly, with groups like that, you know, it kind of is worth it to maybe have a few bad reviews to also have the people who would feel safer, not being in an environment where people are running amok and, you know, things could happen. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's a perception of safety and control. And, um, and also, like I mentioned before, you know, you, the big things we started with were, uh, were signs. We had you no know, loitering. Uh, we had, uh, you were on uh, camera, you were on infrared camera. We can see you in the dark kind of signs. And we had the big signs, you know, we have a zero tolerance uh, policy towards, you know, um, any kind of you know bad actions to our actors and staff and things like that so right off the bat that was that was throughout the attraction and before they came in so they had those signs there again some people don't read signs okay but at least you have something to point to if you had to take action you could point the sign and say well you know you've been notified so out you go um but the the leading question mentioned she had uh kind of a unique issue in that it just seems like there were uh inordinate amounts of groups of teenagers and not all you know super young but most of them are, are too young to drive and uh in big groups and which makes uh her staff kind of hard to manage them and she does have police um police on staff which we always have a police presence and our security teams we call them crowd control whatever and um and you know very well trained to pick out the kind of troublemakers whatever but when you've got a whole group you know they're kind of insulating themselves and and each other and it makes it difficult to to figure out what's going on whether it's a group of a couple of people it's much easier to handle so um you know in that instance, when you've got that many groups of people and also with the advent of Uber and Lyft, you know, off season, I drive Uber and Lyft myself. So, um, you know, it's not uncommon these days to have a separate area for people who are not actively doing the activity that you're there to you know, to, to patronize, whether it's an entertainment, or whatever, to have a separate place to wait and to be. So uh, in that instance, I would highly recommend creating a new big enough space to handle all these people. And if they're not actually in the attraction or theme park or whatever you want to call it, I would boot them to that area. You know, she said, uh, mentioned that there were a lot of people waiting around and they're messing with other people and they're messing with their actors and, and, uh, and other guests and stuff. Well, if these people are just there with no entertainment and you have to have a police presence there, so you have some accountability, they're not going to stay. They're going to find an Uber Lyft. They're going to go somewhere else because they can't go back inside. And there's really nothing for them to do except get in trouble and get caught. So, um, you know, an officer can just make a, uh, a radio call and uh, he doesn't have to handle everything himself and they'll just handle that. So, and they have the authority to do so. So that makes that um, really handy. Um, also, you know, the, uh, you get, we instill the, the fact of, and the appearance of accountability and responsibility, like I was mentioning before, you know, people will do things when they think they're not going to get caught. So when you get consequences for their actions, then uh, other guests feel safe about that as well, because then they know if something happens, you know, to them that whoever does it will have a higher likelihood of getting caught themselves. So, um, and when you've got serious measures, like, you know, someone who goes above and beyond, you know, what is normal for a haunt guest, to, to do that's wrong. Um, you know, you've got a big group of those people, you know, I would eject that entire group, 
you know, you get somebody who's in there and they're not going to say who did it. Then the whole group has to go. And believe me with today's social media, after that happens once or twice, or God forbid, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's an assault or something and, and there's an arrest or they, they when press charges and someone gets removed by uh, the police in cuffs, a couple of times that happens, the word will get around and those groups will police themselves, no pun intended, because, you know, that's not the kind of attention that they want. You know, they want to, they want to get attention for breaking the rules and being a bad boy and bad girl and all this stuff. But if they're getting caught and getting a record or possibility of such, or dealing with, you know, parents, guardians, other friends, then that's something that's going to actually reel them in when, when we can't, they have to do it themselves. And that's, in my opinion, that's one way to do it. Jeremy, did you have issues like this? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, <laughs> I'll bet yeah, you did. The 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 stadium. I mean, already the stadium. Like when it's not haunt time, it was baseball time. And that when then and that is they have a whole inflatables and a fun zone, and parents can watch the game. And the kids can run the concourse, and it's a it's a perceived as a very safe environment. And even the point where like when Zach and I were in elementary school, like there was you know there was elementary school nights at the Storm Stadium, so everyone was very familiar with how you could just kind of do what you want at the stadium, and then the haunts happen in that same mentality, but now it's, you know, you're dealing with unsupervised teenagers and kids and, you know, there's fights starting and there's people hooking up, like we've mentioned earlier. And, um, and there's, you know, guests trying to rape things and touch the actors and flirt with the actors. And they're just there to get girls numbers and they're trying to scare each other. And there's all that, all that uh, nonsense. But the one story I do have that, that comes to mind, it was one of our most chaotic situations. I'm curious if this happened to anybody else. We had to evacuate the entire event one night. Um, I was standing uh, on the, the first base side of the stadium, and you can see every single maze from this part of the stadium. And I'm just standing there with the president of Storm Baseball Association, and him and I are just kind of taking it in, taking a deep breath. And he's just like, look at what you and your brother accomplished. Like, I'm so proud of you guys. And, you know, we're having this kind of, you know, cool little moment. And then I hear, doom. And then every light in the whole stadium goes off. And then all you hear is just people kind of start panicking. And uh, the president of the stadium says to me, did the power just go out? And I'm like, I'm like, you're the fucking president. You tell me. And he's, and so we immediately hop to action, but. Fortunately, some of our, our, well, all of our most, I say 90% of our volunteers during those years were high schoolers because they get community service because it's a partial nonprofit and they, and Storm donated to a charity and stuff. Um, thought, oh, what a great time to scare people now that all the lights are off. And so we're trying to calmly evacuate, dealing with all these now unaccompanied kids who have to now be kicked out into the parking lot. You're dealing with you know, the drunk people that are there because we serve booze and now we're dealing with clowns with chainsaws and even on a good day, a clown with a chainsaw is a pain in the ass. So we, <laughs> we just, you know, we're trying, we're trying to calmly get everyone. My brother, he, he was in costume and makeup that night. He was doing an orphan routine. So he has a walkie talkie and he has, you know, blood on his face and is wearing overalls that don't fit him. And, you know, he's trying to help and pretty much we get everyone out. And, you know, pretty much every adult on site is now out there supervising. We have police out there, too, because we had two, um, two officers there every night, you know, 10 security guards. 
and everything thankfully you know went fine but it could have been um a complete disaster and we did have the people that were super pissed that they had to leave and we offered pretty much everyone vouchers to come back another night um and then that was a whole other story just to, to to make that come back on because what had happened was an actor um found this big metal box in in part of the maze that went inside the building and they thought how scary would it be if i were to just kick this box they kicked it so hard it was a transformer um to half of the stadium um they kicked it so hard that the, the metal casing hit a little screw that had to happen to be conducting some electricity and shot a huge spark filled hole out into the maze so thankfully nothing caught on fire thankfully this kid didn't get hurt still to this day don't know who it is no one ever owned it up to it and there was no cameras in this part of the maze um and then we had to run power to three mazes to the opposite end of the stadium because it this happened on a weekend and we couldn't get an electrician out until the following monday but um anyway so yeah that that's kind of one of our our big time scary moments but we had that happen at spooky roll one night too somebody uh hit, hit their car and hit a transformer and it was uh several transformers down the down the line from us, we were we were behind Foxborough Stadium in Foxborough, Mass, uh, at the time, and uh, and same thing, lights go out. Luckily, we had a plan in place for that, and uh, so we had um, we had diesel uh, lights that were there. We turned those on. You know, the emergency lights came on inside the haunts. Um, we brought everybody outside, and we didn't have anybody evacuate because we didn't know how long it was going to take. So we're waiting to hear from now the stadies are involved and um you know because they didn't know what was going on either and um you know this is after 9-11 so uh so it's a big deal and um and they get it all pretty pretty straightened out you know i think it took like an hour and a half for them to get the power back on rerouted whatever and uh but during that time you know we had our actors come out and uh the, the haunts were themed so they stayed in the by the queue line of their haunt and uh we had some um some like kind of like beach balls with spiders in them and stuff like that fake spiders of course and uh we had uh music with boom boxes with haunt music all ready to go just in case something like this happened and i was like yes we're finally gonna get to you and everyone's looking at me like what and it was like i was kind of excited that you know this this backup plan was actually going to get tested and luckily it, it went off really really well we only had uh we had some people that demanded a refund instead of another ticket anyone who was there was able to stay uh through the rest of the night the the town normally we had to shut down by um 11 and have everybody out by 12 we were able to stay open an extra hour to accommodate those people so uh out of i think there was uh that was a pretty big weekend night i think we had somewhere around of a couple thousand people in the park and uh we were able to uh only had to give out i think uh, like 200 maybe less than that um you know uh vouchers refunds whatever to get back so that wasn't that wasn't bad it worked out pretty well but like you said you know if we didn't have those lights i hazard to think what people would have done you know because at spooky world we had you know we, we had we had everyone exit the haunts and the haunts were closed so then they couldn't get back inside but we had some outside decorations and stuff in spooky world you've had these diehard fans that were always trying to find some way to get a souvenir so i mean i hazard to think when the lights came back on, what would have happened if we didn't have those emergency lights? Jim, anything of that kind of ilk? You ever have a massive power outage or have you ever had to uh, deal with throngs of teenagers that have been just dropped off and they're running crazy around Penhurst? Oh yeah. I've got a, I've got a couple stories about both actually. 
Um, to start off with the kids, because that's our, our main topic, um, what we've what we've done, because it is a major problem. Like we're we're not we're not in the middle of civilization. It is a little bit out in the out in the boonies for us. Um, we have a town nearby, but it's not close, about a mile walk in the dark. Um, it's one of the appeals of our attraction. It's it's dark getting to us. It's forests. It's, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, people will come into our parking lot and my parking staff will identify them traditionally as drop-offs. And that's part of our training. We start with that. And that staff reports to the security staff who then watches the drop-offs. And we kind of gauge what kind of, what kind of customer they're going to be. You know, a lot of these kids, as soon as they realize they're being watched, they start behaving themselves. It's a really interesting phenomenon. The second they know they're being watched, they start being a little bit paranoid. It's, it's a good thing. Um, so what we've done is we try to identify them and then I'll have my security. If they don't do anything wrong, my security just lets them know they're being watched. They just stand off and give them a little point, maybe poke somebody in the shoulder and point at them. It's very clear that they're addressing them, but they're away. It's not an interaction yet. Um, we also have leading to our attraction, probably a quarter mile to almost a half mile of walking from where you park to where you enter the front door. So that's a lot of staff that you walk past. That's a lot of security you need. This helps us find our drunks. It helps us find our violent people. It helps us find our, our crazy wild groups. Um, but it really helps us narrow down on the kids. We can see them coming and then we watch them and we give everybody the benefit of the doubt, of course. But if they go in and they act up, then my security's right there. And I mean, right there, we're on top of them and they're talked to right there or they're separated right there. Um, we'll very happily pull them out and have them call mom and dad right outside of the attraction and say, Hey, I I'm done. I'm not allowed to go through. And we have no problem doing that. Um, other kids see that and they clam right up and just go in for the good time. We've actually had really, really good luck with that. Um, this year, notwithstanding, because this year our entire program has been kind of a, I don't want to say conveyor belt because that's not what we were going for, but it sure looked like a conveyor belt when I was done that people would arrive, they would do this, then they would do this, then they would do this, then they would leave. And that helped us keep social distancing. It helped us keep our numbers within check for the county and the health department. But the other thing it did was it enabled the customers to go through at a rate where there was no real, you know, hanging out. It, you know, they got to the end, bought their t-shirt, got their hot dog, and they were back to their cars or back to the parking lot to get picked up. Um, where we have ample parking staff that a group of teenagers standing there, we, we got somebody we can peel off to watch them for a little bit. Um, that's why I was saying in that feed, it'd be a good idea to set up a drop-off lane so you can start tagging these people and know who they are before they become a problem. So you've already identified them. I think that's a, a good general policy is knowing who's coming. Um, my security guys are really good at that. Most of them, uh, most of my security guys actually come from Apple, believe it or not. They're uh, loss prevention and security for the Apple stores in the area. And they're trained to spot problems way before even I would notice. And I'm, I'm an EMS and fire. Like I'm noticed and trained to look for problems. And these guys beat me by a mile normally. So it's really cool. Um, but when it comes to moving people, we've actually had a, we had a tornado set down by our haunt a year ago, about a mile away from our haunt during one of our heaviest operation nights. We had about 6,000 customers on site um, at that time. And we had alarms going off on phones. We had major storm warnings. We had funnel clouds sighted. I mean, it was, it was an absolute like disaster. 
um, we're lucky though, because our site, our site is basically like a hardened bunker. Um, it's a, it's a school. It's an old state school built in the early 19th century. Um, two foot thick concrete reinforced walls. We have a tunnel system with three foot thick walls. So we moved everybody into the attractions and then just ordered all of our staff to just start entertaining. And just our staff just went kind of nuts with the improv and they changed up their stories. They, they started interacting with the guests and having them like interact with the scene in a way we normally would never allow a guest to do, but you know, they're stuck inside until I can get it all clear. So um, that was a, a really interesting uh, event when that happened, getting our entire full queue lines into our attractions, into our buildings. And it only took us about four minutes. I never thought I'd have to populate inside the buildings. We've always trained to get them out of the building, but I've never trained on putting everybody on property into the buildings. That was kind of crazy. Um, and then uh, we actually had a, a similar lights out scenario happen four years ago where one of our main, uh, one of our main panels went down. And uh, we stopped, the emergency lights of course came on and our actors are trained to stop the progression of the customers at that point, the doors, you know, whoever's holding our doors and tickets at that point, stop the customers from going in. And then the goal is, is to move the customers out the fastest way possible. Um, I'm really happy to say that was one of the few times I was so happy that I'm such a, you know, bullheaded about our training because the actors pulled it off beautifully. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They queued everyone to where they were supposed to go, closest exits. And then when we were ready, and it only took about 20 minutes to fix, we fired back up. Everybody went back through. And I, to this day, I still don't think I got a single complaint from a customer because our crew and our staff protected us. They did everything they were supposed to do by the book. So. Very nice. And this, this kind of actually sigs into a question I had here. How, um, how do you guys train your actors to deal with difficult customers? You know, I train actors as part of my business. I travel all over the country and it, it astonishes me that a lot of haunt owners are like, um, we, we don't really train for bad customers. We don't really train people as to what happens when someone takes a swing at you. What happens when one of your females gets groped? What happens when, you know, someone chucks a rock or is noticeably drunk coming in because they, they have their security that handles that. But a lot of times your security is sitting at the entrance and this is happening deep inside a maze. How do you guys train your actors to deal with difficult situations? Uh, Jeremy, what do you guys do? We 1000% teach Alan Hopps method of acting. He's one of my favorite people in the industry. I love the guy to death. Um, he, so we used to sit, sit the kids down and we would force feed them that DVD that he used to sell or still sells. Um, but now we just, you know, teach them it uh, verbatim, but, um, Alan Hobbs method for sure, scaring them forward, you know, reading the guest, all that, all that stuff goes in. And, and unfortunate part about dealing with high school volunteers is a lot of the time it's in one ear out the other sort of thing, but the kids that care, the kids that come back every year, they, they retain it and um, they know how to, how to deal with that stuff. You know, how to, you know, if a guy, if you're, you know, that the girl in the doll room, if the, if a bunch of guys are in drunk, maybe, maybe, you know, they're not the scare, you know, you're not the scare they need, you know, maybe you do your bit away from them on the bed, you know? So it, it really like when it boils down to, you know, everything that Zach and I've learned over the years and what we've seen other people is, is reading, is reading the customer, reading the guest and, and how to interact with them accordingly 
And you back them up too. And that makes a huge difference. I mean, not only yeah. do you train them, but you follow it up and that's, that's key because you can talk all you want, but unless you're, you're there to follow that up and do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. So you guys yeah. do it. You guys do it right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, you know, the, all Zach and I want, or, and I think all, all any of us want is for people to be safe and have the best time of their lives. And that goes for guests and actors, you know, it's like, um, it's like what, what someone said earlier, it's like the, the hardest job you'll ever love or something like that. I, that rings so true to us. And so if, if, if the actors aren't having a good time, you know, then Zach and I aren't doing our job. If the guests aren't having a good time, I don't feel like we're doing our job either. So that's what we always try to, to do for, for everyone. Like, like we've said, it's like providing a public service, you know, it's, it's, it's therapy for actors. 100%. I mean, I'll on a stressful night, I'm like, Zach, here's my walkie talkie. I'm throwing on a mask, you know, don't bother me. And Zach will do the same thing. And I think that goes for, you know, the guests too, you know, it's like, you're, you're getting let loose for a night. How about you, Ed? Do you do any kind of specific training for, you know, difficult customers when you're training the actors? Oh yeah. Yeah. I do. I do the actor training stuff. I used to do it with Alan. I I've done it, you know, all over the country as well. And, and that's one of, one of my key things is that, um, you know, you, you, like I said earlier, you know, you've got some people that are there to have a good time and some are not. And, um, whatever the reason, you know, you've got to protect your assets and, uh, you know, our biggest asset isn't the property, it's the people. And, um, you know, and our actors are, you know, depending on how you run your show, they're either um, a way for you to make money or they're part of your family. And uh, there aren't really shades in between that, although there are some, but uh, I'm more of the, the, the family end of it myself. But, um, you know, they're still an employee and you got to take care of them. You got to give them the tools they need. And so part of that is that, is that training. And, you know, what we used to teach them is obviously if, if anybody, you know, you have to decide only you could decide whether somebody, you know, like was scared and they threw their arms up by, you know, because they were scared and they, they backhanded you by accident or they hauled off and whacked you in the back of the head when you weren't looking. So you're the, you're the only one that knows what it really is. So if that happens, we told them immediately deescalate it. Don't, um, you know, don't say anything to them or whatever, just kind of hang back. And uh, if, if that's the case, follow them out back behind them where they can't really see you. Or, um, you know, I, I designed part of the spooky world with passages. So you could literally um, get to the exit long before any guest could. And uh, you're waiting out there with security. And as soon as they come out, you know, make sure you get a good description, whatever, and, and bam. And even if it's one of those things where they threw their arms up by accident and they, they hit you with their fingertips by accident, you still want to have them talked to so that they know that that's not an okay response when, when actors, you know, faces or bodies are in the way. And so even if it's an accidental hit or touch, that's not going to work. And you need to kind of maybe put your hands in your pockets, for example. And um, when other guests see that, happening and they see that conversation go down that does more than anything we could any sign we could put up or anything like that that kind of example you know people know that hey you know if something happens there's some accountability and again that's the key to everything but the other thing is you know with our our actor training is you know make sure that you know you're comfortable you're you're safe you've got all the tools you need but if something if something happens they have got a contingency 
And we go over that. You know, we, we have like this, I told you with the power outage thing, you know, there was a whole thing that we had practiced. I mean, we only did it once in the beginning of the season, this particular one, but you know, there are contingencies that we did our actor training and this one worked out great. And uh, some of it we had to come up with on the fly, but most of it was already kind of worked out. And, and because of that training, um, everybody knew what to do. And the cool thing is because they knew what to do, they knew how far to take it with guests, how to exp- how to talk things to guests, when to keep in character, when to drop a character, all those things that are usually, res- you know, um, reserved for like management positions. Uh, even our, our regular staff was, was well-versed in that, you know, and, and the longer they were with us, you know, the, the better they got, you know, and, and most of those haunt actors, when, uh, when they left Spooky World, they went on to other haunts and, you know, ended up running their own shows and, and uh, did really, really well. And so, you know, we, we did something right. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. A little side note is when I hear some, some, you know, 15 year old, 16 year old kid that started working for me and Zach, you know, I see through the years, it's like one, they're adults now, which is weird until they, you know, they start families or whatever, but you know, now they're working, now they're working for, you know, scary farm or they're doing, you know, not just scary farm, but they're like on the scenic design team and they're, or they're running lights for theater, you know, doing all this cool, like Hollywood kind of stuff. And it's like, Oh, you little, little guy. I remember when you were that little clown, you know, it's so, I love that. That's one of my favorite parts. Now, Jim, you're a uh, full contact haunt. How do you guys train your actors to deal with people who might just assume, well, if you're full contact, I'll just be full contact right back at you. Yeah. Um, and that, that is a very, we, we do experience more of the flailing, more of the quick turnarounds, the, the accidental. Um, the truth of the matter is, is we're selling fear and fear is going to generate a fight or flight response. If we're doing our jobs, that's what we're going to generate. So what we did was we obviously the core tenets of haunt theory are always going to be the same scare forward. You're always, you're always focusing on certain things, but what we've done is we've incorporated a very physical aspect to our training. It's not just theory. We're actually standing up, we're moving around, we're teaching them how to read another person and kind of skirt around them. I've actually brought, uh, believe it or not, I brought some professional wrestlers in, in the past um, to give some pointers on the idea of how to move around a person where they think you're being aggressive, but you're not actually, they're not, they're in no danger. Um, we do a lot of movement drills. Um, one of the big things that we put in place is the idea, and we re- really shine this year, but it's always kind of been a standard, is our actors do not owe the customers a show. The customers have paid for a show. And if the customers are following our set standards, then they deserve a show, but it's not owed. So if the customer is not filling their part of the bargain, then my actors are under no obligation to scare them. So if you have that customer who's trying to touch them, who's breaking the sets, our actors will disengage and they'll back off and they'll call security. And then that group will get tagged and then they'll talk to the police or they'll talk to our security team um, and they'll get flagged. One of the other really cool things that we've done is, is when a customer is, you know, looks to be a problem or they were touching props or they, they flailed or or made an aggressive move towards an actor, we will put our follow team with them, which is two of my literally best security guys. One walks in front of the group, one walks in the back, they're wearing street clothes and they're letting the group know that they're now officially on the radar, but they're more importantly than anything else, letting my staff know that there is a danger possibility in this group. 
So this group gets to pass through. They get a show. It's not the show, but they get a show um, where my crew has been trained to back. When you see the security guys, once I see the first one, I kind of back off a little bit. I'm a little less extreme. I'm definitely not touching the next group. They know that. So it's a, it's an unspoken kind of rule where they don't have to be told, hey, guys, this next group hands off. They'll see this first security guy and they just know I'm not touching this next group. I'm going to hit them with a scare. I'm going to give them a show, but it's not going to be what we normally do. We used to do that, you know, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is such a it, it, it's such an easy way to protect your crew just with a, a quick, you know, visual cue. Um, it really effective. And, and, and it tends to calm the groups down because they're still getting their show. You're not robbing of them show. You're not going through with the big yellow vests and it's backup guys. We're coming through. You're not ruining the show for them, but you're protecting your crew, which to me, to me is huge. Um, but we, uh, we actually just this year, um, because of the social distancing, we were realizing that my security crews were being slowed down in their movements because of the need for them to social distance from people as well. And because of that, we actually put in a, uh, a whistleblower program, which was kind of, you know, a fun little thing in, in principle where I gave every single actor I have a whistle with the idea being that if they blow their whistle, when there's a, a real eminent threat, the security is going to be alerted, but more importantly than that, the event staff who we have everywhere, I mean, you can't walk 45 feet in our haunt without seeing a, an orange vested person, will come right to them. So instead of just my security kind of backing them up, because they were slowed down this year, we had the event staff also kind of take on that mantle as well as a secondary line of defense. Um, so you hear the whistle, you run for the whistle. Um, and this year, no one blew any whistles. It was, it was wild. We put this program in place and people were kind of good. Um, last year, not so much. We had a customer come through last year who literally waited till he was probably in the deepest, hardest to get to part of our entire attractions and then decided he wanted to start punching women in the face. So that was uh, that was a uh, hectic, uh, hectic, about 25 seconds. It took from the first time he hit somebody to the time we had four security people pulling him out of our attraction. It took 25, just about 25 seconds, but that was a long half a minute. Mm. So that's that's something i'm looking at the clock here and i know that we have to start winding down we have been talking a long time we're probably gonna have to do a part two of this at some point in the future but um jim real quick other jim i mean meaning meat hook jim what did you what did you guys do for uh training with maul when you knew that you were going to deal with difficult people uh you know uh quite frankly with maul i just I, I told them to use their best judgment because it, it's really difficult to say what the situation is going to be. Um, uh, but one rule of thumb I had is if the situation gets too uh, dangerous for the actor, you need to step away. Um, but if that's not possible, try to entertain, try to make them laugh, try to diffuse the situation through comedy um, but in the end, if it just was too dangerous, step away and find security. Always a, a wise idea here. Um, I, as I said a second ago, you know, we're going to have to start winding this down. So we'll run through the guests real quick. Give us your best story about your worst customer that you can remember. Let's, uh, let's start with Jim. Best story about the worst customer I've ever had. The worst customer, and, and it wasn't a violent customer. The worst no customer names. I've ever had. 
came no to oh yeah no names of course no names <laughs> honestly i've gone out of my way to forget the guy's name we had a uh, a summer event and it's a themed halloween summer event you know one of those where they get to kind of camp out with us all night it's 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 a neat neat concept that we were doing um so this this gentleman comes out and as soon as he gets there he he starts pointing out things on our website that are that are just like, oh, well, this says we get to do this. And I'm like, that's a different program, bud. So he keeps coming over with his phone and showing me his website, our website telling me, well, what about this? When do we get to do this? I'm like, it's not Halloween. Like, it's not, it's not fall. That's not open. Like, we're not doing that. So he has a guide who's guide him around the site. And he keeps telling her that, well, I'm supposed to have a charging port for my campsite. And we're like, what do you mean, dude? It's camping. Like, what, what do you want? So this guy basically ruins his whole night over a charging port for his phone. He, he then proceeds to come and meet with me. I talk him down. I think everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything's good to go. He sends emails to me afterwards. He sends emails or uh, reviews to everywhere. And I mean everywhere about how we're, we're scamming people. We're like stealing people's money. And I'm like, this is insane. Like this guy is off his hook. So I actually did something we never do. I refunded the dude. I'm like, here you go, dude, take your money back. You're good. You're good. And don't you know that he then turns around and he tries to come back the next year to the same event. And we spotted his email <laughs> and I was like, nope, nope, get him out of here. Get him out of here. But the, just the audacity of this guy who just, the, the most impossible customer I've ever dealt with ever. You know, as soon as I fixed it, something else broke. It was horrible. <laughs> well, we're sold out. Sorry, dude. Uh, how about you, Jeremy? What was the best story of the worst customer you've ever had to deal with? Well, the worst, I think, was that lady I talked about earlier who was upset about the exorcism maze. Um, but I do have a follow-up story. But she um, she specifically was upset because we, we we didn't actually have any real Bibles, but we had one, one uh, girl dressed as a nun who was ripping pages out of a book and putting them in her mouth and chewing them up and like spouting like some Bible verses. But she, she printed out a, a fake cover. So it looked like a Bible. So that was what sparked the whole thing was this lady's all like, I can't believe you're ripping actual pages out of the Bible. And I went and grabbed Hannah's book. And I'm like, it's like a history book from the library from a thrift store for 50 cents. I'm like, so nothing actually sacrilegious is happening, but you know, then that all spiraled into the Facebook post stuff. But, um, but a guess that comes to mind and it, he, he wasn't a problem because he was, entitled or rowdy but he um it was kind of someone mentioned it earlier um and why we instated a name badge thing too and a check-in thing and we had a guy who would go went into the mazes and would just stand in the corner of, of various rooms um, mostly rooms that were filled with um girls and he just stand there and no one knew who he was but everyone just kind of was supposed to be there um so we we had a, when we started hearing kind of like that, there was a dude around, we're like, we're, we're, we're trying to think like, okay, well, what adult um, staff members do we have tonight? Like maybe they're just confused. Cause you know, we're always hiring. So there could be someone new around. Um, and we come to find out that it's, he's not supposed to be there and he gets caught by security trying to follow two girls into the dressing room that were leaving early that night. So 
um, he gets approached by security and, and books it into the night and in the stadium, like Elsinore, like it's, there's a, there's a lake right up against it. So you can get lost in the dark pretty easy. So, um, the police go and kind of, you know, search the, the property for him or whatever. And, uh, he ends up getting caught. So, I mean, that was, that was our extent. Thankfully no one got hurt. Nothing worse happened than him just being a weird dude standing in rooms, watching people get scared. Um, but he ended up, uh, trying to rob a McDonald's down the street. And he got caught doing that and he got arrested. Uh, he got picked up by the police there. And then the police let us know because, you know, like I said, we have some on staff and the stadium had a really good working relationship with the Lake Elsinore PD. Um, let us know that he's behind, you know, he got picked up for that, but also there are warrants out for his arrests, you know, involving various sex crimes. So we truly lucked out in that in that evening. But after that, after that night, I think that was our, maybe our second year at the stadium out of the five years we were there after that night, strict check-in strict, you know, you know, bag search, all that kind of stuff really fell into play. Cause you know, Zach and I, we were young. We didn't really know. We we're just like, cool. We get to make haunted houses for money. You know, we, we unfortunately, you know, in our early days in our early twenties, didn't look at it how we look at it now. And, you know, that forever will be on us, but you know, we're very thankful that nothing happened, but that's definitely the, the craziest thing that's happened, um, minus, you know, Zach and I getting death threats and asking to join various churches. How about you, Ed? All right. Well, there's uh, there's so many, so many stories of, of wacky things that guests have done. Uh, so I'll just do two short ones because because some of the ones I can't actually talk about. So <laughs> they're, they're so bad I can't actually talk about them. But uh, but one was um, you know like I mentioned earlier that you know some people like to do souvenirs from Spooky World, whatever. So when we did the Phantom Mine Shaft in Berlin, um, we had some cool um, skeletons and different scenes behind uh, the stone walls there, and I put them behind this chicken wire mesh. Well, um, I go through, you know, as I go through several times uh, during the night, whatever, and I'm checking and I'm realizing that someone has um, either pulled apart or cut the wire for this chicken wire and we're missing a skull that was there. And, uh, and it was like, it's, it's kind of like an oversized foam skull and uh, they, they weren't cheap, whatever. So I'm like, what the heck? So luckily I had, um, seeing that this could be a thing that would happen, I made sure that I signed the bottom of all these skulls that were in there and the skeletons and stuff like that, anything that people could grab. So including the staff. So uh, sure enough, I'm in the midway and I see this guy and he's got like a skull, like hanging out of his jacket. And I'm like, Hey dude, that's a really cool skull. Where'd you get that? He goes, Oh, I got it in the store. I'm like, uh, no, you didn't. He's like, Oh yeah, I got it in the store. I'm like, where's your receipt? He's like, oh, yeah, I got it here somewhere. I'm like, no, you don't. I go, look at the back of that. He goes, he goes, what? I go, look at the back of that. He goes, oh, I go, what's that say? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's got some scribble on it. I'm like, it says my name. I go, hand it over. So he handed it over, and I was like, you know, thank goodness they were on the way out. So out they go. So, so that was, that was pretty bad. That that was kind of typical. Thank God, you know, I happened to see that, whatever. You know, these things happen. You know, most things were batting down pretty good. Also, we had a big, uh, we had the magicians up there uh, and we had a, a huge snake you could get a picture with and uh, coolest animals. You know, if, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, you know, snakes or exotics. We had all kinds of, of animals, actors at Spooky World, but this was a huge albino python and uh, really cool. Now, a lot of people don't know that most of these things uh, have their mouths 
taped clothes it doesn't hurt them but it's got uh, like magic tape over their mouth so they literally can't open their mouths other than to stick their tongue out um and they can't you know, bite anyone. So there was uh, this girl and her mom had a picture with the snake earlier on uh, in the night. And uh, later on, she comes back and she says that her daughter got bit by the Python. Now this is hours later. And uh, we're like, well, why didn't you, you know, the guy's right there when it happened. First of all, he would have seen it because he would have had to pry the mouth off. I don't know if you guys ever know about how pythons bite, but, you know, teeth break off in you and, and they don't let go. They don't just nip you like a, like a mouse would. They, they hang on. So, uh, so, she, she, you know, he goes, oh, no, it, it better than, you know, no one knew and whatever. So we're like well that's improbable so we look at it and there's a scratch so long story short she um she tries to say that it's the it was the snake and and you know because that's what her daughter told her turns out it was from the daughter who was a young lady uh and her boyfriend who were also with them and a couple of other friends so i don't know what happened but it wasn't the snake and she ended up you know suing us and just it was cheaper to pay her off than to uh than to go to court and win. Uh, so that, that always kind of stuck in my craw that we would pay that lady. But turns out, here's, here's the, the worst part. So that girl and her friends come back the next year and obviously, you know, something like that, you kind of, you know, because we had to have pictures of her face and the, and the shoulder where she said she got bit, whatever. So it was pretty easy to, you know, pick her out in a crowd. We're like, Hey, that's a girl. That's a snake bite girl. And, uh, so they, they, her and her friends tried to get behind the scenes and go uh, out on the hayride where, you know, obviously guests can't go. And, you know, for obvious reasons, not only that, you know, it, it's a hayride, you know, you get run over or something, you know, so, um, you know, you're not supposed to be. And we, we caught them there and we had to, you know, kick them all out. And we were like, and I, I got her after I'm like, why after that whole thing would you go? you know, behind the scenes or whatever. She goes, she goes, I just want to do what I want to do. And, you know, I'm not going to have to, you know, listen to it was a whole thing against her parents or whatever. So obviously that was the, the whole thing right there. But I mean, it was just like, I just had to shake my head. It's like, wh what color is the sky in your world? Because I just don't, I don't get it. You know? So, you know, whenever you're dealing with the public, you just never know what they're going to do. And she grew up to be a Karen, no doubt. <laughs> or, or a, uh, never mind, I won't say it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, any quick final questions from the co host before we wrap it up? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> this yeah. is. This is a part of the show we normally call the plugs, where you can plug your various websites and social medias and things like that. Uh, let's start with. Ed, Ed, for people wanting more information about the things that you do, I know you do a lot of stuff. Um, you might be working with a brand new haunt, I understand. Maybe uh, maybe that's information you can give out. Uh, tell us where sure. people can get a hold sure. of you and stuff like well, that. Well, uh, my buddy Skip has run uh, Chambers of Terror in Salem, Mass. for a while. And uh, next year, it looks like I, I may be partners in that. And uh, some other ventures in Salem, which are which are fun. I'm like the Haunt MacGyver in Salem. I'm always fixing stuff there. And um, my, uh, my website, 
www.somethingwickedprod for somethingwickedproductions.com. Um, I sell all kinds of audio stuff and um, I, I do some music. Nothing as good as Jerry Vane. I just, you know, tee around with stuff and sound effects stuff and scary stories. That's my forte is scary stories. Uh, and uh, I do some work up at Fright Kingdom in Nashville, New Hampshire, which is awesome. Um, and uh, you know, I just got out of... Uh, dark hour down in dallas not not too long ago but i'm all over the new england area and uh i do all kinds of of consulting work you know of course everybody who's done a hot one year they they say i'm a consultant but uh, i've been doing this for like 30 years so uh so that's a bit of a long time any any kind of thing like everything from from uh from stories to audio to uh you know, building, designing, engineering, all that stuff. It's all the kind of things I love to do. And luckily I've been able to do enough of it to make a living at it. And that makes me very happy. Very nice. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? Where can people get more information about the bloodshed brothers and all the things that you guys do? Um, You can literally search the bloodshed brothers anywhere on the internet and you'll find us Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, we're, we're everywhere. So um, uh, the best place to stay updated is through our videos on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bloodshed Brothers. Like I said, just search. Um, we upload videos all the time. We have been filming videos together for over 10 years, and there's a whole ton of haunted house stuff there. So, yeah, just the Bloodshed Brothers um, all over the Internet. Excellent. And, Jim, where can people get more information about Penhurst Asylum and all those things? Well, we'd love it if they checked us out at PennhurstAsylum.com, Facebook Penhurst. Um, we've got some really cool events coming up this coming summer, uh, you know, even if the social distancing and all that is still a thing. Uh, we plan on holding some horror campouts. Um, our site also, as a legitimate historic and haunted location, is open and um, available for paranormal investigations, public investigations, as well as history tours, photo tours. Um, so we'd love if people would check us out and come visit us. Excellent. So just check out Penhurst Asylum. I'm sure you'll find all that information. And of course, we could not do this without our tremendous hosts, including Storm. You know, we've been getting this wrong for years. We've just been upselling VIP packages and stuff with haunts. What we've learned tonight is we should be upselling babysitting packages with haunts and therapy session packages with haunts because it's apparently the service we've been giving for God knows how long and just not charging enough for every year. Very true. Yeah, that is so right. A meat hook, Jim. Uh, first of all, I'm going to agree with Storm, but I also got to say Penhurst is on my bucket list for paranormal investigation. Very nice. But I'd love for you to come out. And I hope you bring a recorder and put it on the show. That'd be awesome. Last but certainly not least, we have the Haunstrumentalist, Jerry Vane. I gave up babysitting a long time ago, so the last thing I want to do is do that now. Smart man, Jerry. Smart man. <laughs> oh, lordy. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, reminding you that Ed did say he was an Uber driver. Oh, my God. How cool would it be to ride in a hearse with Ed driving? I have done that. <laughs> mm. This is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Was that Uber RIP instead of Uber XL? 
<laughs> Actually, my my, uh, my one of my hearses was my daily driver for over five years, and uh, when I had my nice '64 Caddy, that thing was gorgeous. I used to take people to prom and stuff. That was awesome. Yeah, I can see you as la- the lounge Dracula doing Uber. <laughs> I like how he said one of his hearses. <laughs> I don't have any anymore, but yeah. You know. <laughs> your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. on the hill on the big scary show
coffin opens and terror reaches out from beyond the grave. As the twins of evil evoke the power of vampirism and witchcraft. Twins of evil. They use the satanic power of their bodies to turn men and women into their blood slaves. Twins of evil. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. Greetings, listeners, listeners, and welcome. welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. torso. It's time time for Between between the the corpses. Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And we're going to jump right into it as I dive into the French funeral traditions and customs. As of 2016, 51% of France's population identifies as Christian, with Catholicism being the most common. For this reason, a French funeral typically includes a Catholic funeral service and follows Catholic rituals, which we discussed on the last episode and beliefs regarding the afterlife. However, some families may have a secular funeral service, as 39.6% of the population identifies with no religion. Although it's not as common anymore in big cities, some small towns still do this tradition. When someone passes away, their family pins a journal decorated with a black cloth on their door. Then family, friends, community members, and even strangers write messages inside. They can convey their condolences for their loss, express their grief, offer support, and share memories with the deceased. The journal also is at the funeral ceremony, so guests can write inside it. But the tradition of keeping it on the door gives the family privacy to grieve and allows those who couldn't attend the funeral a chance to share their sympathy. Then. The family has a journal of memories and kind messages to cherish forever. It's a unique way to help them grieve and hear other people's memories with a deceased loved one. Traditionally, some parts of France had several death superstitions. When someone passed away, they removed any open water sources because the deceased soul could fall and drown in it. They also believed that honey connected the soul with other souls of the departed. So they left an open jar of honey by the body to attract flies, which they believed held the souls of the deceased. A French funeral service today is typically a large event that the whole community attends. For a Catholic funeral service, there's much prayers, music, and readings. A close family member of the deceased also reads a eulogy. Burial is still the most common funeral arrangement, but some people choose cremation. For burials, it's typically in ground and mourners throw dirt onto the casket. For cremation, many may choose an urn or ash scattering location. Some people choose a cremation niche for the urn. Well, there you go. Short, concise, and to the point. And I'm not rambling on like I did last time. Anyway. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Passion is what drives us. The passion to be the best. For over 10
ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karen.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios Dark Imaginings Von Caron Productions Haunt Pay Ticket Leap and Creepy Collection we would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, master of the Ether Muse, as well as the Fordga hosts, including Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com, The Unknown Scare Actor, Actor Trainer and Traveling Actor Troop. For more information, check out MaulMonsters.com, that's M-A-U-L-Monsters.com. Drew Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant. Find out more at rabidbadger.org. And Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, for all your heavy metal and haunt needs. JerryVane.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.